Welcome to Vida Abundantur. I'm your host, Tanya Azar, researcher, writer, wife, cat mom, and university instructor. On this podcast, I conduct interviews to explore how we can abandon a scarcity mindset so that we can live a life of abundance. Welcome back, listeners. Today, I'm speaking with Lourdes Fernandez, who serves as the Assistant Director for Advanced Composition at George Mason University. She teaches composition, advanced composition, professional and technical writing, and rhetorical theory for the English department. And she earned her PhD in writing and rhetoric from George Mason University. In addition to excelling at teaching and research, she also is a fierce champion for her colleagues and one of the best administrators I've ever known. Recently, she designed and taught coursework for the new Advanced Technical Writing Certificate Badge, which is designed to help firefighters across the country and around the world improve the writing and communication skills they rely on for their jobs. She also volunteers with FACETS to translate a community survey and at Nova Raft, which seeks the means to resettle Afghan refugees. And she still has time to get coffee with me sometimes so we can talk teaching. Welcome, Lourdes. Thank you. So I'd like to start off um, with the question I ask everyone, sort of an academic um, activity, if you will, of defining um, what abundance means for you. Uh, Okay. So to me, and it may be that this is my answer to most things. To me, abundance is a matter of perspective, uh, mostly. So I think that if I am thinking in terms of what I can do, the constraints I have, what I can definitely not change, I can always find a place of abundance that is actually not super connected to the time I have or, or the things that are going around me. So I would say that abundance is the perspective that either you have enough or that the things that you do not have or the opportunities you do not have will be there at some point. Interesting. Perspective is 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 where you find abundance, where it is yes. located. Yes, I'm constantly adjusting my perspective, especially the pandemic is a great exercise in adjusting <gasps> perspectives. <laughs> Yes. How did the pandemic potentially um, impact your ideas of abundance? I'm interested to know. Um, So, and again, I I think I learned this lesson more from being a military wife. My husband was military for 21 years and it was great. And we moved a lot. Um, And in every place you, I kind of had to figure out how to be in that place for three years and leave again. So, so I think you have to practice perspective And one of the things I learned was when he deployed, and luckily for us, he never deployed longer than six to seven months, but he would deploy six months, four months, six months. Finding abundance and perspective meant very quickly letting go of things that would make me feel really, really overwhelmed and making space for tiny, tiny little things that would make me feel like I had abundance, an abundance of time, an abundance of friends. It depends. So uh, when the pandemic started, the first thing I did was um, actually cut three projects that I was working on that were a result of the dissertation, because frankly, they were side hustles, not fully related to my work. And I decided 
to cut them to give myself time and space when it came to sort of academic work. I did the same at home. I shifted the way I spent time at home. So I began actually cooking more and, and doing other things less, like watching TV. And that gave me a sense of abundance because actually I think that when you cook, there's a sense of abundance. As long as you have food, it's, it does that. It gives you that perspective. And then the other thing I did um, that I used to do with deployments too was not try to see the end but actually focus on the moment a little bit more. And I'm not talking about toxic positivity and where you pretend everything is okay. I'm literally talking about not looking forward to an end that is who knows when, and instead looking at the day and or the hour and saying, oh, this hour went well. And I felt that this went really well and sort of banking that sort of um, good moments, even if they're small, uh, so I, I, that definitely I learned from military. And then the other thing that I did during the pandemic was try to cultivate lighter friendships in more meaningful ways because the pandemic is can be lonely. So the abundance of having casual conversations, mostly via Zoom, via text, or talking to each other outside, doing a little bit more of that because there's sort of a joy in feeling like you're connected to other people. So, so that was another way that the pandemic actually made me rethink how I generally <laughs> connect in this area in Northern Virginia. Uh, that was a big change. And I think all of that speaks to abundance. The idea that you do actually have either what you need or more than you need, but, um, but your time perspective has to be different depending on the situation. That's so I like listening to you. I'm, I'm just very aware of, you know, why, why we have become friends. I think we, I think it's safe to say, because, um, yes, finding connection in the pandemic, I was kind of, I went into the pandemic myself thinking, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now. I think I have all the, all the close friends I'm probably going to have, you know, like at this point in my life. And, um, and it, what shocked me was how, how I was through, through zoom, as you say, um, mainly, been able to um, cultivate friendships I didn't expect, you know, um, to have at this point in my life. I kind of thought, all right, I got my friends, I'm good. Um, <laughs> but that's not what happened. So it's so cool that you did that too. I just, I love that. That's awesome. Right. Well, and the abundance part comes from imagining that it's possible too. Mm. Like there's always something that can overflow, I guess. It's another way of seeing it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, in a good situation, like the pandemic. And I think it's weird how uh, different people experience the pandemic, people with younger children and all that. But abundance, like everything else, has to be cultivated very deliberately or it's just not there. Another part of your answer that I responded to so strongly was your military experience because even though my family wasn't in the military, they built for the military. And so we moved almost every other year of my life. And, um, and just the ways that our family had to find, like how to like really inhabit a home wherever we were going, you know, like you didn't want to just pretend like you were constantly living out of a suitcase. You really wanted to like live that in that place, or at least that's what my family wanted. And so just finding ways, as you said, to like really lean into the experience and, and not treat it as, as just always in this temporary limbo. Right. Yes. 
Yep, that's it. And military too, because um, there's so much crisis in the military, plus you have the moves on top of it. Um, it is exhausting if you do not find ways. I will say, and I think this you will understand this too, is that that is predicated on an idea that there's no major, major life issue happening so that illnesses can be manageable. There's enough money to eat. There is a house. So I, I think it, this is predicated under the idea that um, that the very basic things are covered and then you're just seeking abundance. And I can see how those perspectives will differ too if you're struggling with something that feels too big. So Absolutely. I think maybe the pandemic it was kind of like a unique, a unique experience like being in the military is, I think, relative to other people's experience. And it, if you were already dealing with a lot of, like a lot of heavy things, it just felt like being, you know, crushed, crushed. under yep. more heaviness. Yes. Yep. I agree. Um, well, that's just such an interesting way to think about abundance as a concept. So thank you for sharing. Um, hmm. How do you yourself, you know, live an abundant life. Maybe um, you talked about how you do, did it in the pandemic or how you kind of had to pivot in the pandemic, but you know, how do you see yourself as like living in abundance in your everyday life? So to me, and I realized that actually, I, it's weird that I have a moment that I can refer to. Hurricane Maria was in 2017 and I have, uh, I'm Puerto Rican. And it was devastating to the island. I couldn't speak to my mom for six days with, or anyone at home because all the telecommunications went down. So for six days, we didn't know how it was going. It was awful. It was the most terrible thing, uh, I think, that I've experienced as an adult. And I didn't even experience the hurricane. I just experienced Puerto Rico experiencing the hurricane. So that moment, I had been at my job for four years, three, for three years or so. And it was really fascinating to me to discover that only like maybe one or two people that work with me texted me to ask about how my family was doing. Everybody else who asked and was concerned lived in Italy, Germany, Spain, Florida, like every all of my other uh, places where I've been except Northern Virginia. And I think that was an instance where I would say there was no abundance, right? Like it was so stark how little I had cultivated a community that I was pretty much alone in the middle of this, at least in my neighborhood, like in my closest community. All of the support was coming from outside. Um, so, so that to me, like I come to realize that to me abundance, like it's community actually, is that I feel like I have two or three people I can talk to about my kids and then another two or three that I can talk to about shoes and two or three that I can mm -hmm. talk to about teachers and they're not necessarily or teaching and they're not necessarily the same three people. So to me, abundance in a way is having these those very loose networks that are friendly and constant. It's why I like having coffee with you too because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm much more... I don't think I'm a full extrovert, but I am much more a person who loves cooking for others, eating with others, talking with others. And in this area, Northern Virginia specifically, I think it's the first time in my life where most of the time I meet with people who are very nice and lovely, 
there's an agenda. We are either working or we're planning a project or it's a working meeting or something like that and not like that sort of casual hours go by and and that to me is abundance. So I since Hurricane Maria, which was two years before the pandemic, two and a half, I've gotten a lot better at um, getting closer to the neighborhood moms in my area, to colleagues who I don't necessarily work in projects with, to people, um, volunteer work that allows me to make those connections because I actually think that's where my, my own sense of abundance comes from is the sense of having an abundant community of peers who are not necessarily related to me by work <laughs> or by parenting or by anything else. They're just there um, as friends. That's so interesting. And you're absolutely right about our area. Just, it feels very disconnected sometimes. Yes. And like, yep. you aren't going to see people unless you happen to be like, you have to, because some other area of your life is propelling you toward them. Right. Um, yeah. So it's actually, it's like when we have coffee together, just to have coffee, it feels, it feels so luxurious, you know, like we're meeting and we're talking and we are talking about work, but like, it's not a work meeting. Yes. It feels great. Yep. That's exactly it. <laughs> um, any other ways you, you, you feel like you live abundantly that you want to share with us? Um, I also, I also, and I don't know, um, if that was military life too, I've also am very versatile in my expectations. So for example, Northern Virginia may not be my favorite area, but it has excellent trails to walk. So I've become an avid walker and I love it. And to me, that's the abundance part in Northern Virginia. Um, I do miss other things like in Italy where we live there. It's just so extraordinarily beautiful and the food is so good. That was abundance there. Here it's um, not that, uh, but at least there's trails. I think making peace is another way <laughs> to find abundance and just changing the things you can change and not and letting go of the ones you cannot change about a place. Um, that helps too. I really like cooking. Um, so I make a point of trying to cook as much as I can um, and share the food. And uh, the other way here, I have to say the pandemic too, and I, uh, in teaching, I am relearning the difference between being sympathetic and being compassionate, which is different, and also learning the limitations of empathy. And I'm, I think this all connects to abundance because I've become slightly different teacher during the pandemic because I'm leaning a tiny bit more into helping my students feel a sense of grace in the classroom since so many things are going wrong for them right now and it's clear um, and I think that can also connect to feeling like you have enough like you're doing enough like it will be okay like that sort of thing absolutely so I'm interested especially given all the work you do not only with um, your research but also the volunteering that you do in the community and your own lived experience as a woman in academia um, to, to consider you know the barriers that women or, or people who identify as women face specifically to living abundant lives or, or the the kind of um, abundant lives they wish they were living um, would you have any specific advice for for women or people who identify as women to access that abundance 
Yes, my main <laughs> advice is not, don't try to be great at everything. Um, you can be like, if you're a parent, you don't have to be an amazing parent. You just have to be good enough as a parent. Uh, if you are an academic, you just have to be good enough. And I agree that academia has really bizarre expect expectations of greatness, but good enough actually does the work too. Um, if you want to, again, if you're connected to a community through volunteer work, you don't have to be great. You just have to be good. Abundance, I think, also comes from understanding the boundary of, of the, what you're supposed to be doing or what you want to do, and then being okay with not being great all the time. Um, I think we put so much pressure on women to be great at everything. And we only have to look at men and some men who are not doing great at everything and are still fine. Like it's not. So I think that idea that, that we have to, I don't know, nurture everything into being, uh, civilize everybody with our respectability and, and moderation and how we show how things should be done. I think that's too much to expect. I think we were better off doing what we can as best as we can and not being great at everything all the time. Um, I am, I do understand we have time and space that limit us, but I am not always doing great things for everything or everybody, um, including like the dissertation was a good example. I don't mind working 70, 80 hours a week for three months in a row. If it's a small project, I, like a focus project, the dissertation i was working full time i had the two kids and um i had to i wanted to finish it so i worked 70 to 80 hours a week during those three four months that i had to but first i knew it was going to be over i knew there was a goal i understood why i was doing it that's the other important thing the why and i had of course the opportunity to offload most of the childcare for a few months on my husband and then pick up some of it my parenting wasn't great, hardly ever reaches greatness, um, and that's okay. And and that was it. It was, and I knew it was short. So I think also the abundance comes from understanding that if it's really really hard, it needs to end at some point. So so that that sort of idea that even when you don't feel like there's abundance at, during this dissertation time, I had no time for anything else other than writing but it was short term. So that was okay. I think it's much harder to perceive abundance when everything has to be done to its maximum capacity all the time. So I'm advocating slacking a little bit, depending on the area. I love that slacking a little bit. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I'm thinking of Sex in the City, the movie a little bit. There's this scene at the beginning where I think it's Charlotte. She like, she has, you know, her, under one year old and she has her toddler and she decides to make cupcakes from scratch for the toddler's birthday at school or whatever. And she's also letting the toddler finger paint or like do some kind of paint project, like, <laughs> you know, at the same time. And at one point she's like, she's on the phone and she's frosting cupcakes and the toddler like comes up behind her with, with paint filled hands and smacks her on the, on the butt. And she's wearing, of course, like she always is, you know, yeah. this, high fashion like 
you know, to make cupcakes in the kitchen with a toddler that's painting. And you're just looking at, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, none of this. Like if you're going to have the kid paint, you're, you shouldn't also be making cupcakes. You shouldn't maybe be making cupcakes from scratch when you have two kids under the age of four or whatever, you know, like it's just, the whole thing was so like, it just made me think about how much pressure women put on themselves to, as you say, like, just be perfect in every sphere all the time. And it's like, you don't even need to be perfect in any sphere all the time, let alone all of them all at once. Right. And the pressure is it's from other women. It's, I agree that there's pressure from community. But I have to say the, the friends in my life who are most happy or if, uh, if using abundance, who feel they are, they have what they need and more, are not the people who are striving in all areas at all times. They know how to strive strategically. So they might not be trying to get their nine-month-old to learn Mandarin Chinese while at the same time studying a PhD and running a small business. Like They balance the tasks a little bit. Um, and I'm talking single moms here too. And I, again, the same thing, having children or no children, it's um, the most successful women in my life understand when to back out of something and have a boundary and understand when to lean fully forward and actually do an enormous amount of work in crazy ways. But they know that it has to end at some point. They have that sort of boundary and limitation. I, in my experience, people like that experience abundance because they have a bit more perspective that you need the valley, right? Before you climb the mountain, like you need that, that sort of uh, easier pace and then you climb and then you kind of roll down the hill messily until the next valley. <laughs> Absolutely. I think um, Gretchen Rubin describes it as a season of hardship. And if you, you know, you know, it's going to end, then it's easier to get through it, whatever it is. Um, but, but sometimes you need to, you know, force yourself to believe that it will end. Um, like with the dissertation is a good example. Obviously you have some power over that duration, right. um, but at the same time, it feels like it could potentially stretch into infinity if you let it. Yes. Which will be the problem with the pandemic, right? Yes. We're either ending it too quickly in our minds, but it's not over, or we cannot see an end. So then it's really hard to get that sense of perspective from it. Absolutely. Thank you, Lourdes, so much for answering these questions and offering us your wisdom about mm -hmm. abundance and specifically for women you know, seeking to live more abundant lives with the various challenges that they face. I would love to know and to let our listeners know, you know, where can they follow you and your work? Is there any particular digital place you want me to point them to? So sadly, right now, I think LinkedIn is the only place where I'm active. Gotcha. <laughs> I have uh, become a lurker on Twitter and I barely go to Facebook. But if I ever do, I'll let you know if I ever go back to digital presence. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, LinkedIn is where I also share this, these podcast episodes to one of the places. So um, I'm a fan of it for, for um, sharing information and content. So we'll definitely put a link to um, your LinkedIn in the, in the show notes here so followers can find you if they want to learn more about your awesome research and teaching and volunteering work. Um, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. I know you're, as we have explored, a busy person, mm -hmm. um, but you still manage to find time to do things like this. And I just think that's very admirable. So thank you. I love your project and I'm happy to be here. 
This has been another episode of Vida Abundantur. Thank you for listening. Please help this podcast reach new listeners by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode with your network. I also welcome your comments and questions. You can find me at EC Academic on Instagram, tanyaazar.com, or leave a message for this podcast on anchor.fm. I would love to know how you plan to live a life more abundant. Until next time.